Well, before we get started, let me pray. Gracious Almighty God, we praise you. For you, Lord, have never had a beginning and you will never have an end. You have always been there and you always will be. Indeed, Lord, even as we look at your word and as we break down, uh, as it were, another attribute of your character, of your being, we pray that we would once again marvel that you are so unlike us and that you are to be exalted and praised forever and ever and ever. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to be looking today, as you can see in your sheets, at the self-existence of God and the eternality of God. And I want to ask you a question before we start. How did the universe start? How did the universe start? And that's just something for you to think about in your heads. How did the universe start? And this is a really big topic, for example, at universities. Um, when you get into apologetics, how did the universe start? And there are kind of three main options. Three broad options. The first one is that, is that the, universe is, the universe itself is self-existent and eternal. It was always there. Right? It wasn't created. It's always been there. Um, right? And presumably always will be, unless presumably humans destroy it through global warming, so we're told. But number one, the universe is self-existent and eternal. Well, the next idea is that the universe had a beginning and it was self-created. It was, it was self-created. Well, the next idea is that the universe had a beginning, but this time its creation was not from itself, was that it was created by someone or something, a creator. In two of those options, the universe had a beginning. One creator was God, and the other, the universe created itself. So in two out of those three options, the universe had a beginning. In two other options, the universe is supreme. In these two options, the universe is all that there is. Either the universe created itself and it had a beginning, or the universe was, was always there. And so either the universe is supreme, right, or there's a creator. And then if you think about it another way, the universe had a beginning, or it's always been there. But out of those three options, there's only one that makes perfect logical sense. The other two are nonsense. Well, the first thing to think about is that something cannot create itself. Something cannot create itself. Nothing cannot create something. Furthermore, if something creates itself, then it existed when it didn't exist. It's just illogical. Let me repeat that again to to get our heads around this, the nonsense. If something creates itself, then it existed at the same time it didn't exist. If it existed before it was, it would have to both be and not be at the same time in the same relationship. And this breaks the law of non-contradiction. And when you start entertaining those ideas of the universe creating itself, it breaks itself down in logical inconsistency. And yet, that's the prevailing idea and worldview that, that people have today. The universe had a beginning, the Big Bang. But that laws of gravity and other laws created the universe. But where did those laws come from? What created the universe? Who created it? What if the, in the Big Bang, what caused the Big Bang? Did it all explode out of nothingness? It's absurd. And yet, Christians are told that they're absurd. For thinking that someone 
an all-powerful being is self-existent, and we'll look at what that means, and that he created all things. That's what makes sense. Well, what's the most logical conclusion? That there is a self-existent being who created all things out of nothing. Why? How? Because he himself is self-existent, uncreated, eternal, and all-powerful. How do we know this thing? Because he revealed himself to us. And so in this doctrine class, it's, we're looking at the eternality of God. What it is that God's eternal? And when we think about God being eternal, we have both eternity past and eternity future. We have God's self-existence from all eternity. And we have his everlastingness, if you like. Right? The fact that God is everlasting. Right? And both of those are when, come into play when we think about the eternality of God. But have a look at me at your sheets. God is self-existent. Now, I'm going to give you uh, some verses to look up. Felicity, I'll get you to look up, if that's alright, Isaiah 43, verse 10. And remember, guys, these are on the back of your sheet, if you wanted to circle in. Isaiah 43, verse 10. Sam, I'll get you to read out Exodus 3, if that's alright, verses 13 and 14. Exodus 3, verses 13 and 14. Talena, I'll get you to look up John 8, 58. Uh, ben, I'll get you to look up John 1, verse 3. Now, Henny, are you okay to look up Psalm 90, verse 2? And John, I'll get you to read 2 Peter 3, verse 8. After we've read those, we'll, we'll then I'll then assign some more Bible verses. All right. But God, the first point, God is self-existent. In the beginning, the Bible says God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis one verse one. Three fundamental assertions are affirmed in that very first verse and sentence in all of Scripture. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What are those three assertions? One, there was a beginning. Two, there is a God. And three, there is a creation. Notice the Bible doesn't even try and prove the existence of God. It, it never does. Right? It doesn't go, well, well, let's think about it logically, although we can. But it just assumes that God exists and it asserts that God exists. It just states it as it is. And when we think about God's being, God's being, I want you to think about this, is necessary. God has to be a necessary being is a being who cannot not be. He cannot not be, i.e. he has to be. He cannot not be, he has to be. God exists by the sheer necessity of his eternal being. And that's really important to understand. God has to be who he is. Now there's a word they use in theology and the word is aseity, A-S. E-I-T-Y. Aseity. And that word means that God is self-existent. God is self-existent. And this means that God is entirely self-sufficient. Right? He's always been there. And He's entirely self-sufficient and not dependent on anyone or anything for His entire existence. He is eternal, independent, and the sole cause of the whole universe. 
God is entirely self-sufficient. We are needy. God is independent. We are totally and completely and utterly dependent on God. God is eternal. We are temporary. God is the creator. We are the created. And when we think about the question, and you may have been asked this before, who created God? People have in their minds this idea that they, they assume that everything is created. They assume that the, that, the, that the law of cause and effect simply means that everything has a cause. Right? Everything was created by something or someone. Right? And just, you have this infinite regression, this infinite loop that, that you can never look right back and find the beginning of everything. It's just, who created this? Who created this? Who created this? And so when they ask you, who created God? They have this assumption in mind that there is this infinite regression and that it never stops. And yet, that is, as we'll see, impossible. It assumes that everything, everyone, including God, was created. But the law of cause and effect doesn't mean that everything has a cause. The law of cause and effect says that every effect has a cause, and every cause has an effect. And so when we think about God in relation to us, we are all effects. Right? Yes, we may be causes, we may make things, but we all are, are all, in our very nature, effects. But God in His very nature is not both cause and effect in some relationship or another. He alone is the sole cause of everyone and everything. He is not an effect. He is uncreated and eternal. He is self-existent. So listen, I'll get you to read out Isaiah 43.10 for me. That last bit of the verse, before me there was no God, form, no God formed, nor will there be any after me. Steve Lawson writes, he says, No one preceded God or produced Him. No false deity will follow Him. He existed long before any man-made idol was crafted, and He will exist long after all false deities have crumbled and perished. And so there was no God formed before Him, there was no God formed after Him. He alone is God, and He alone is eternal. Because in the mind of every person who doesn't believe in the one true living God, anything else is God in their minds. And if they believe, and, and sometimes you hear them say, Mother Nature did this, Mother Nature did that, or the universe has been kind to us, what they're doing is they're saying that the universe, they're saying that Mother Nature, or creation, is God. But no, our testimony is that there is a self-existent Creator God who is distinct set apart from his universe. Sam, I'll get you to read out uh, Exodus 3, verses 13 to 14. <clears throat> Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Uh, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Thank you. Catch God's name there, his covenant name. When Moses was to reveal to Israel who God was, he, God revealed himself, he said, I am who I am. I am who I am. And encapsulated in that is, I 
will be who I will be. And I was who I was. I.e. God is always as He is forever and ever and ever. He is a self-existent God who is simply because He is. And the way we can break up us in, in, in contrast to God is that God has been in and of Himself. But we don't have our being in and of ourselves. We, we derive all our essence and, and life from God. Every molecule does. And so when we distinguish between us and God, we say that God has been, God is simply because He is, but we are becoming. Humans are constantly in the state of flux. We change, we lose, we lose our cells by the moment. Right? We, get, we start to get grey hairs. We, we, right? <laughs> Some of you are, are volunteering. Right? Right? We change. We do. Our minds, they just change so rapidly. And that's why we, we are not being in one sense. We are becoming. But God alone doesn't change. And we'll look at that in, a, in another session. But, but God in and of Himself has His very being. He, as He said, I am who I am. He's not the God who is now what He wasn't before. Or the God who will be something different to what He is now. No, He says, I am who I am. In John's Gospel, Jesus affirms multiple times that he is this very same God. I am who I am. Talia, I'll get you to read out John 8, 58 for me. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. Thank you. In multiple times in John's Gospel, where it says, if you ever read it, it says, I am he. The he isn't there. The translators put it there to help. But Jesus literally says, I am. And here in this very explicit verse, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, he doesn't say, I was. He doesn't say, before Abraham was, I was. I was there. He says, before Abraham was, I am. Present tense. I.e., God is the one who is, I am who I am. And the Jews understood this because as soon as he said it, Right? Up until that point, they'd done nothing. But as soon as he said it, they picked up stones to stone him. Because what he said to them, which it isn't actually, but to them, is blasphemous. Ben, I'll get you to read out for us um, John 1 verse 3. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made and had been made. Thank you. Right? Everything came into being through him. And it's, a hard, it's hard in the Greek here. Apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Right? So he's split into the creator and uncreated. And Jesus sits firmly in the creator section, not the created section. Jesus is the uncreated creator of all things. Henny, I'll get you to read out uh, Psalm 90 verse 2 for us. Before the mountains were born, Thank you. Did you catch that? From everlasting? Is there anything outside of that? To everlasting? Is there anything outside of that? No. It's from eternity past to eternity future. Right? And that, that encapsulated in that one verse is the totality of God's eternality from eternity past, from everlasting to eternity future, to everlasting. You are God. Now, when you were growing up, if you had siblings and you were older than your younger siblings, 
sometimes you claim superiority because of your age. Right? You said, that's mine, I'm older, give it to me. Or, you need to listen to me because I'm older. And even though we, we try to claim that, and, and sometimes there's this innate sense of, of superiority, superiority because we're older, and in the Bible, elders, those who are older, are respected, and to be revered and honoured. In the same way, God, because He's eternal, He has every right to be honoured, and He has every right to claim superiority. Because he's a self-existent, eternal God. Now, he has that right anyway because of the perfection of all his attributes. He has that right anyway because he has saved us and created us. But because also God is the eternal God and the self-existent creator of all, it means that he has every right to assert his superiority over us. Something else to think about is that because God is self-existent, he is outside of time. He is the one who created time. And we all operate and are constrained by time. It's not that we can say, you know, sometimes you see it in movies or you read about it in books where the, you know, this super mutant has the ability to, to pause time. No, we're all constrained by time. The only one who's not constrained by time is God because He made it. God doesn't get old. So when my scripture kids ask me, how old is God? I say it. I'm going to tell you, right, how old God is. And they all you know, perk up and they listen up because they really want to find out the answer to it. And I say, you want to tell you how old he is? He's eternal. He doesn't have an age. We can't put a limit. We can't put a number on God's age. He's eternal. And they usually roll their eyes. But it's true. It's true. In verse 4 of Psalm 90, that was just read out for us by Henny, it says... For a thousand years in your sight, it's talking to God, in your sight are like yesterday when it passes by, or is a watch in the night. This is picked up in 2 Peter 3 verse 8. John, I'll get you to read that for us. But uh, do not forget this one thing, dear friends. See, the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Thank you. And so that particular application, and, that, and that's... This psalm, the verse in the psalm is picked up by Peter in this epistle. Right? For the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. God exists outside of time. Therefore, as Peter applies it, we are to be patient, waiting on the Lord to come in His perfect time. But because God is self-existent, this also means that He is self-sufficient. Self-sufficient. Now, sometimes you may have heard from, from people that God created all, you know, why did God create all things? Because He wanted us. He needed us. God's lonely, the shallow view of God says. But no, God didn't create all things because He was needy. There wasn't some part of God that was unfulfilled and, you know, like Adam, right? God made Adam and Eve and He created a helper fit and suitable, right, for Adam so he created Eve. And yet, God wasn't like that. He's perfectly self-sufficient in and of himself. God was and is and will always be entirely, internally self-sufficient. Alright, I'll give you a few more verses out. Uh, Sam, I'll get you to look up Acts uh, 17, uh, verses... 24 to 25. I think I've actually yeah, accidentally wrote down 27. Acts 17, 24 to 25. 
That's all right. I'll get you to look up Romans 11, verses 34 to 36. Carleen, I'll get you to look up 1 Timothy 6.15. Ben, I'll get you to look up Revelation 1 verse 8. Uh, Henny, I'll get you to look up Revelation 22.13. And John, I'll get you to look up Isaiah 57 verse 15. So this is thinking about God's self-sufficiency. Sam, I'll get you ready. Thank you. Yep. Uh, so, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. Thank you. He does not dwell in temples made with hands nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Paul, he's, he's saying that God doesn't need you. He doesn't need you. Be, you know, he didn't create you because he needed you. Right? He's the one who gives all people life and breath and all things. God is perfectly self-sufficient. Felicity, I'll get you to look up. Uh, sorry, uh, to read out for us Romans 11, uh, 34 to 36. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Thank you for listening. Have you known the mind of the Lord? Have you been God's counselor? Paul's saying, have you, have you given God any knowledge? Have you, right, repaid God anything so that God says, ah, oh, thank goodness that you paid me back. Have you done that? That's what Paul's saying here. We cannot give anything back to God because God is needy. Whether it's our time, whether it's our money, whether it's worship, gifts, sacrifices, no, God is perfectly self Contained. Do we give God those things? Yes. But does God need them? No. Does God delight in them when we offer them with a full heart through Christ? Yes, God takes pleasure in them and He delights in them. And yet God is perfectly self-sufficient. It says, for from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. But it also comes with this idea of self-sufficiency and it kind of flows from this idea of self-sufficiency is God's self... God is self-content. God is self-content. If God is not needed, then He's perfectly content and happy within Himself. Talia, I'll get you to read out uh, 1 Timothy 6.15 for us. God is the blessed and only sovereign. Elsewhere it calls him the blessed God. And this word blessed, happy, content, fulfilled, that's God in and of himself. He's self-existent, he's self-sufficient, and he's self-content. But let's, let's have a look at the next point. God is everlasting. As we heard in Psalm 90 verse 2, it says, From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. 
And we have this very idea of God's eternality. Now, this, the fact that God is everlasting into eternity future is intrinsically linked with His self-existence. Because God is, if God is self-existent, if He's outside time, if He doesn't grow old, then He's going to last forever and ever and ever. And that's why these two attributes are together. God's self-existence and His eternality or the fact God is everlasting. Ben, I'll get you to read out our Revelation 1 verse 8 for us. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Thank you. This statement by God, where he says that that he is the Alpha, the first letter in the Greek alphabet, Omega or Omega, to the last letter in the Greek alphabet. God is the one who was and is and is to come. It, It encapsulates everything. There's nothing outside of God. Henny, I'll get you to read for us uh, Revelation uh, 22.13 where Jesus uh, repeats this and says this of of himself. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Thank you. Do you get that? He's the Alpha, he's the first, and he's the beginning. He's also the Omega, the last, and the end. There's nothing outside of that. The first and last, the beginning, the end, the alpha and the omega. Christ himself is from everlasting to everlasting in his divine nature. The first part of Isaiah 57, 15, John, John, John will read out for us that, that whole verse. But, but have a look at, about how it describes God. The full verse. says now to, and you know well now to the king eternal immortal invisible the only god be honor and glory forever and ever as long as god lasts so praise will be given to god forever and ever and ever thomas watson said his kingdom has no end his crown has no successes he is the everlasting god abraham calls him isaiah calls him the same thing he's the everlasting god he is incapable of dying or ceasing to exist. He always will be. What does this mean? When we think about our salvation, when we think about the security of our salvation, what does this mean that God is eternal? It means that our salvation is forever. Like God. We can never be lost. We'll have a, a blessed life with God forever and ever and ever. But conversely, on the, other, on the flip side, the judgment of the wicked is forever. Forever, forever. And so we must tell them the gospel, even as, as Tom Radford was uh, preaching to us this morning, we have, a, we have a heart for sinners and the lost because their judgment is forever and ever and ever. 
What does this mean that God reigns forever and ever and ever? Well, it says Christ, what does it mean? Christ will keep reigning as King forever and ever and ever. And He will keep interceding for us as our High Priest forever and ever and ever. So how should we respond? How should we respond? Because Christ's kingship endures forever, because His High Priesthood endures forever, we can trust Him forever. We can trust Him Forever, Indeed, for all eternity, we'll be resting in God, in Christ. There will never be an end to His rule. There will be never an end to His Christ's perfect atoning work and its sufficiency to save forever. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore, He is able to save, and this word can be translated forever, or to the uttermost, or completely, or perfectly. Therefore, He is able to save forever, perfectly, those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. The fact that you and I are believers now, because of Christ's intercession, because Christ will keep praying for us for all of eternity, we will be kept forever and ever and ever, and we'll have an eternally secure and certain hope. God will never let us down. So what does this flow onto? An eternal comfort. An eternal comfort. 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 16 to 17 says, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us, ready, eternal comfort and good hope by grace, encourage your hearts and strengthen them in every good word and work. God has given us an eternal comfort and good hope through his grace. And that grace, that comfort and that hope will last forever and ever. And ever. But when we think about eternity, we thought about trust and we thought about the comfort that brings, but it also brings sober mindedness, a seriousness, where we wake up to these realities. Because when we see ourselves in comparison to God, when we realize the shortness of our life, the Bible says our lives are like a mist. Or a vapor that's that's here one second and gone the next. It's like the morning dew, which very quickly gets dried up by the sun. We are so transient, we don't last. When we realise and we number our days, we are spurred on to a greater seriousness, whether it's in holiness, whether it's in prayer, whether it's preparing for eternity, whether it's seeking the lost, whatever it is, when we live with eternity in view, it gives us a seriousness. When Jesus was telling his disciples that he was coming again, what did he say? He said, watch and pray. Watch, stay awake. There's an earnestness there. So when we think about the eternality of God, when we think about the things of eternity, that our souls will last forever and ever and ever. There's a sober-mindedness. For the last point of application, for those who are who do not have God's grace, those who are not saved, this truth about God's eternality should bring them great fear, trembling. Because if the punishment in hell would be over in 10 years, 100 years, even 2,000 years, there would be a glimmer of hope. That punishment in hell will last forever and ever and ever. 
that should make us weep, should make them weep. And they should run to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us keep praying. Let us keep laboring. Let us keep striving for holiness. Let us keep our eyes fixed onto the hope that we have that is secure for all eternity because it is found in the eternal Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Gracious God, you are from everlasting to everlasting. You are the God who dwells forever. You inhabit eternity. You are entirely self-sufficient, Lord. We are needy, you are not. We are dependent, you are independent. You are the self-existent creator and we are the created creation. We pray, Lord, that we would trust in you. That we would lay hold of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that he is the one through whom all things are made. That he is the one who is I am and who I am. He is the one who is the Alpha and the Omega who will last forever and ever and ever. We pray that we would cling to him. Him who is our rock. Forever and ever and ever. Who is able to save perfectly. To the uttermost, forever, all who come to you through him. Please comfort our hearts. Strengthen our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.